You're listening to the Imperfect Pursuit Podcast, episode number one. Well, here we are. Today is the day. This podcast has been on my heart for a very long time, so I'm so excited to finally get this out into the big wide world. Like most podcasts, I thought a great first episode would be if I shared my own story. So in this episode, I'll be taking a walk down memory lane and sharing my own imperfect journey into business. I'll be sharing how I got started, some of the things I did well and some of the things I did not so well, and how I imperfectly made my way to be able to quit my job and pay myself a full-time income and create a booked out business. Toward the end of the episode, I also share five quick practical tips to help you overcome perfectionism and take imperfect action today in your business. But before we dive in, I just thought I'd do a quick introduction for anyone who doesn't know who I am. My name is Sarah Lethe and I am from Down Under in Australia. I run a wedding floral design business and I'm also a creative business coach for creative women who long to make a living doing what they love. I'm a wife to my amazing husband, Dave. I'm a dog mom to our two Labradoodles, Judah and Monty. I'm a lover of the Enneagram, friends and Italian food. I'm passionate about mindset, marketing and pricing and helping women create a life and business they love. So that's a general snap shot of who I am but without further ado let's dive in to my business story. Hey welcome to the Imperfect Pursuit podcast. My name is Sarah Luthi and I love all things marketing, money, mindset and helping creative entrepreneurs pursue their purpose. Nothing in life or business is perfect but I believe in the power of taking imperfect action and showing up with grace, authenticity and intentionality. So if you're ready to imperfectly pursue your biggest goals and build a life and business you love, there is a place for you here. All good stories start at the beginning, so that sounds like a pretty good place to start. So I'm going to rewind the clock a little and share exactly how I got started with my business and really what led me to this decision to start a business. So I'm actually going to share a couple of pretty random stories from my childhood because looking back, it's really interesting to see how different things kind of led me to here. And it's actually really interesting to see how our personalities are formed and our desires and our passions and our gifts are formed while we are growing up. So my first story, I remember I must have been around eight years old. I put all of my old toys in a box and I stood out the front of my house hoping to sell them. I had a sheet of paper with some prices, which I'm pretty sure ranged from like 20 cents to a dollar. And I thought it would be fun to try to sell my old toys. I think I had about two people walk by. I remember one of them was a mum who had a pram. I remember that. And I think she probably came over just to make me feel less silly because she felt sorry for this little girl who was standing on the street trying to sell some dodgy old toys. Now, I think I made the grand total of zero dollars and I gave up about half an hour later. Thankfully, I've gotten a lot better at selling since then, but it's really interesting even just looking back at that experience and seeing how my desires were formed throughout those years. Another story that came to mind as I was reflecting back was when I was 12 years old. Two of my cousins who are a fair bit older than me, they both got married that year and I was a junior bridesmaid for one of them. I remember just being 
absolutely mesmerized by these weddings. They weren't anything super extravagant. I mean, don't get me wrong, they were beautiful, but you know, they were just lovely standard weddings, but I was absolutely amazed. I still remember where we sat. I remember the seating chart and I remember just all of these details from those weddings. And I even created this dodgy little PowerPoint presentation on Microsoft Word and it featured the very, very average photos that my parents took on our family camera. Yes, this was back in the days when you would have a family camera instead of a smartphone. And I featured all of these tacky Microsoft PowerPoint transitions. Yeah, it, it wasn't my best design work. <laughs> um, I don't even think I sent these PowerPoints to each of my cousins because deep down I knew that they weren't great quality and I was a little bit embarrassed, but I remember my desire for creating these slideshows was a way of reliving and remembering these beautiful memories that I had from these weddings. But it wasn't until after high school when I'd almost finished my degree that I had actually considered working in the wedding industry. Now, I tell you these two stories because as a child, I had a passion for weddings and I had a passion for selling. My dad has told me before that I have a very entrepreneurial heart and I tend to agree. I am constantly thinking about business ideas for myself and for other people. And since starting my own business a few years ago, I have just immersed myself in the world of entrepreneurship. And this has obviously evolved into my own business coaching now. And I love helping other people create profitable businesses, but we'll get to that toward the end of the episode. But like most entrepreneurs, I didn't always think that I would own a business. Even though I look back and I can see how God was so clearly working in my life in these different ways and leading me to where I am now and shaping me to be who I am, it wasn't always a part of my plan. It wasn't ever really an option that I had considered. When I was in high school, we were all kind of made to believe that if you are smart, then you go to university and you get a nine to five and you do that for the rest of your life. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. They can relate to that expectation that um, schools and even friends and family and society places on you. I've always been quite musical. My parents sent me off to piano lessons when I was a kid and in high school I started writing my own songs. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, music just kind of seemed to make sense because I was good at it. I was the musical kid. Now, I didn't want to be a performer. I didn't want to be a musician. I am not a showy person. So that wasn't something I ever wanted to do, but I knew that music was one of the things that I was good at. So I kind of settled on this idea of being a music teacher and everyone around me affirmed me with this too, saying how good I would be at music teaching. And it was just always the thing that made sense. And basically my whole high schooling life, I believed that I would go on to teach music for the rest of my life. <laughs> now, I think I would have made a pretty good music teacher if I do say so myself. I love teaching. I love music. But if I'm being really honest with myself, I don't think I pursued that out of a love for teaching music to high school students. I pursued it because it was the only thing that made sense. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that sentence. It just made sense. 
So I went off to study a Bachelor of Popular Music straight out of high school and I must say it was a really fun degree. I mentioned earlier in the episode that I was writing songs and essentially my music degree was just all about this. It was songwriting, it was really industry based and we essentially learnt how to make it in the music industry. So yeah, songwriting, producing, even creating a website for your artist profile and networking and creating these bands and essentially running a music business in the music industry. And in hindsight, there was probably a lot of the business stuff that we learnt in those three years that I actually have kept with me, which is really cool to look back on now. So my plan was to get my three-year music degree and then go on to do my graduate diploma in education after my music degree. Now, while I was studying my music degree, my best friend Maddie introduced me to the world of flowers. There were many times when we would go to the flower markets together, we would get a coffee and catch up, and then we'd each go back to our consecutive homes and we would arrange these flowers that we'd purchased at the markets. I remember, quote unquote, designing these flowers into anything I could find, jars, vases, even teacups and teapots. I could probably still find those photos, but that little act of going to the flower markets, purchasing some flowers and putting them and arranging them into these different vases, it brought me joy. It sparked joy within me and flowers had really become a little hobby. Now, Maddie and I were recruited by some of our close friends to do their wedding flowers. Now, looking back, this definitely wasn't my best work, but it definitely was a fun experience. And it wasn't until my own wedding in early 2016 that I guess my love for weddings was reignited. Flowers were really important to me when I was getting married and I remember caring a lot about the flowers. I'm pretty sure in my first inquiry that I sent to my wedding florist, I'm pretty sure I said something like, my flowers are just as important as the dress. So I did hire a professional florist because I was most definitely still an amateur at the time. And after doing my friend's weddings, I decided that I just didn't want that stress leading up to my own wedding. But side note, because everyone always asks me that if I were to get married now, I would definitely do my own wedding flowers. But at the time I was 100% still an amateur and I was definitely happy to just pay someone who knew what they were doing. I was in my final year of uni and I saw this random ad pop up for a floristry traineeship, which really perked my interest. One of the first things I said to my husband was, well, maybe I could work for a florist while I finish uni and then I can do some teaching for a couple years. And then when we've got some kids, I can start my own business and work from home. I had seen this beautiful business that my own wedding florist had created. And this idea of working from home and working with flowers, it really inspired me. And I suddenly kind of had this whole new vision for my life. After talking to my husband, I ended up deciding that completing a floristry traineeship at the same time as doing a uni degree didn't really make sense, but we'd put this idea of the floral business in our back pocket for the future. This idea of me being able to work from home, it really excited me, and we talked about how this could actually be a possibility for my future. 
Now, back to my uni degree. I was in my final year. We were newly married. I was getting things ready for my education diploma. Now, I don't want to bore you with the details, but essentially my university had changed some of its rules and requirements around the graduate diploma, and I would have needed to do an extra two years of study than I had originally expected, basically making my four-year plan a six-year plan. I would have had to go in and do an extra six courses or subjects after my music degree in order to be equipped with a second teaching area that wasn't music, which would have been almost a full year of studying. Well, actually, it would have been a full year of studying. But then unfortunately, that year was also the final year of the one year diploma and it was becoming a two year master's. So as I said, what I thought would take four years to become a qualified music teacher with two teaching areas would have taken me six. I know so many careers and professions require this much study plus way more. I know six years isn't actually that long. And if I really felt called to music teaching, I would have jumped through the hoops and I would have studied the full six years. But I guess it just posed the question for me, do I actually want to do music teaching? Because Dave and I had talked about the idea of me running a business from home, I had even decided that maybe I could do some uni courses in business to fill those six um, course requirements. And then I could be qualified to teach music and business. And then I could apply all of that business knowledge into my own future business. So this was definitely kind of where my mind was heading, but I still felt so restless. Ever since we had discussed this idea of the floral business, high school teaching just no longer appealed to me on top of all of the extra unexpected study. It was mid 2016. We were on a date day to celebrate Dave's birthday. We often try to have an adventure day to celebrate our birthdays. And we had spent a huge amount of time talking about my future, <laughs> which I kind of feel bad about, but Obviously, that conversation was pretty pivotal for our lives, but I remember just feeling so restless, so confused, so anxious, and I really just needed to talk with him about what was going on because I had so much happening in my mind and I was just afraid to kind of speak it out loud. But he asked me, Sarah, what do you want to do? It's a simple question that I don't think we ask ourselves often enough. What do you want? I'm just thinking of that scene in The Notebook when Ryan Gosling is screaming at Rachel McAdams saying, what do you want? But it's true. We don't really ask ourselves that. What do you want? I said out loud and not just in my mind, I want to work from home and run a business. And he said, so why don't you do that now? I remember this feeling of joy and relief. I felt like I had permission to actually do that. Not that Dave had ever made me feel like that wasn't an option because I don't think I'd even made that known to him until that point that I was even considering not doing teaching, but it wasn't until I said out loud, I want to do this. And he encouraged me to follow through and I felt free to make that decision. I felt so much pressure to become a teacher. It's what I'd always said I wanted to do, and so many people affirmed that within me. It made sense. It was safe and secure. And in reality, starting a business with the dream of making a full-time income, that's not safe or secure. Even when I had made that choice to not continue with my plan of teaching, I had a really funny sense of guilt and shame 
not because I didn't feel right about that decision, but I was so worried about what people would think because I had done a complete 180. I had completely changed my mind on where I was heading with my career. And admitting that you've changed your mind, admitting in a sense that you've been wrong about something, in my case, I was wrong about what I thought I wanted to do, admitting that is really hard. It's kind of a pride thing. You kind of have to get over your pride and acknowledge I was wrong. I I thought I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't. But I knew that this was definitely where God was calling me and this this idea, this dream felt so much better than music teaching ever did. It really lit something up within me. It sparked joy for me, like Marie Kondo style. <laughs> so maybe this is you. Maybe you feel the pressure and expectation from other people to do or be something that you're not sold on. And friends, you have the freedom to do what you want to do. You have the freedom to change your mind if you want to. People might have their opinions, people might be confused, but you still can and you still should pursue your purpose. I ended up going to my parents' house. I think it was actually that night because I felt like I had this complete life change and I I felt like I was lying to them if I didn't tell them straight away. So I just wanted to go over, tell them what I was doing, rip the band-aid, and I guess I was seeking more approval and more affirmation. And at first they were quite surprised, of course, because I just spent the last five, six, seven, eight years telling everyone I'm going to go and be a music teacher and then suddenly telling them, oh, nope, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to start a business which is completely not secure and completely unknown. Of course, people are going to be surprised, but I spoke to them about it. I talked things through with them. I told them, this is my plan. I want to earn this much money and I think this is how I'm going to do it. By the end, of course, they were so happy for me. The same goes for the rest of my family and the rest of my friends. People could see that joy within me and Thankfully, I had the support of my closest and my nearest and dearest, but having these conversations with people who weren't so close to me, of course, I could tell they were a little confused and I don't expect them to understand, but it was just one of those things. But I was thankful that my closest people and their closest friends and family were on my side and cheering me on. I did end up finishing my music degree because I only had six months left and I felt personally that it was just wise to finish what I had started. I was so close to the end anyway and I'm really glad that I did. Those three years were so valuable, they were very fun and it just gave me a chance to do something different and even just to get a little life experience because I was actually still only 20 years old when I started my business so I couldn't even imagine personally, going straight into business, straight from high school. So I can definitely see God's hand in that as well. Um, And I really believe that nothing in life is ever a waste. From July 2016, when I had made that decision to start a business, I spent the next 12 months basically preparing, planning and praying over this business. I was determined to start a business well. And I think there's kind of a lesson in that in a sense as well, because I was determined to create a business that was excellent. One thing I often say to my coaching clients is that there is a difference between perfection 
and excellence. So I think this was kind of my goal when I was preparing for the launch of my business. I wanted it to be excellent. I am sure there were roots of perfectionism in that, but I also, at the end of the day, wanted to create a brand that was professional, it was strong, and I think that was something I actually did pretty well. So I'll get into that a little bit later. But I went to Officeworks, I bought this journal, and I scribbled down all of these notes, plans, goals, and prayers for my business. I had lists for business names and lists of things that I needed to do and things I needed to buy. And it was where I kept all of my dreams and plans for my business. I haven't written anything in that journal in a few years, but I love looking back through that journal and reading through the very, very early plans of younger Sarah who had a dream. It's really special to read through that. So in 2017, I went off and I got qualified as a florist. I spent close to $10,000 on this training and purchasing flowers to practice. If I'm honest, I don't know if this investment was the most necessary and $10,000 could have gone to so many other things like business coaching or online courses or online trainings or even luxury in-person floral workshops or retreats. But at the time, I felt like I should get the certification in case someone ever asks if I'm qualified. And spoiler alert, no bride or client has ever asked if I have that piece of paper. But I think that was probably the perfectionist side of me. I wanted to do things perfectly and I wanted to say that I was qualified. However, studying floristry meant that it was a lot easier to get my first florist job. So while I was studying my certificate, I was working for this beautiful little retail florist opened by this gorgeous French lady. She didn't do weddings. It was just this gorgeous little shop selling gift bouquets and um, other gifts and things. I always knew that I was going to start my business not long after my certificate. I know that some people say you need to get all this experience first and maybe for certain fields that is the case but I was driven I knew what I wanted to do and I knew where I was going I knew that I wanted to start a floral business so that was always I guess my vision so I was happy to work in retail while I was studying but I knew that not long after I finished that I would go and start my business So in mid-2017, around the time that I was finishing my certificates, my husband and I ended up moving about an hour north of the city. So that was a pretty good time to resign from my floristry job and start my business. Even though my husband was working full-time, we weren't really in the position to allow me to not work at all while I started the business. To cover our expenses and save a little bit of money, I needed to earn about $400 a week. The timing of everything worked out really well. So when I finished studying floristry, I left the retail florist and I was lucky enough to get a really good part-time job at our church managing their cafe. So Dave was actually working at this church as well as a pastor. I'm really thankful for this job as it was a really good job to have while I was starting and growing my business. The staff and the pastors were so supportive of my business and it was just really amazing to not have as much financial pressure while the business was growing. In some ways, I think it probably slowed down the growth a little just because I obviously didn't have as much time to focus on the business. My attention was divided, but the business did grow pretty quickly. I just wanted to say that if this is you, if you're juggling a business and a job, 
you are a superstar. <laughs> I know how hard this juggle can be and I actually want to do an episode just for those who are doing this juggle of the side hustle and the job. I know how slow that season can feel, especially when everyone is telling you that you have to quit your job and people are praised when they go full time with their business. And I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. I remember feeling at times like my business wasn't something to be as proud of because I wasn't full time with it. And I know a lot of people who feel the same, but running a business in any capacity is an accomplishment. Running a business is a lot of work. (laughs) It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. It requires a lot from you. So whatever capacity you are running your business at, you should be proud of that in itself. It was always my dream to work full-time from home, but I know that that's not always everyone's desire and this doesn't have to be your dream. I know plenty of people who still work nine to five and they love their jobs and they don't ever want to go full-time with their business. They love that their business is a side hustle. So that's also something to remember. So if this is you, this is great. If you have the goal of going full-time with your business, if you have the goal of keeping your business as a side hustle, that's great too. So I just want to encourage you that wherever you're at, your dreams can be your own. And if you are working another job to help support your family, and maybe you do have the dream of going full-time, but it seems so far away, just know that you do not need to be ashamed that you're working another job. In fact, having this financial consistency can be a real blessing while your business is growing. And there were definitely times, as I've said, that I was so desperate to only be able to do my business. I was desperate to quit my job so I could just focus on the business. But looking back, I am thankful for that season and I wish I hadn't wished that time away. So often as humans, we can wish our lives away. We can we can just look forward to the next season and when we don't have to do this or when we finally get this, but it's so easy to just wish that time away and wish our lives away. And I know that I definitely had moments of doing this when I was in that season of the juggle. While I was studying my floristry certificates, I paid an acquaintance who was studying graphic design to design my logos, which I actually still use to this day. I feel like it could be time to rebrand soon, but at the same time, I still love what she designed and it's a pretty timeless logo. Now, in the first half of 2017, when I was doing my floral certificates, I was also working away on my Squarespace website which I would really recommend for anyone who isn't super tech savvy. Squarespace is a really good place to start if you just want to build a simple, professional, nice website, which is hard to mess up. (laughs) So I'll pop a link for that in the show notes where you could save 10% off your first subscription if you're considering creating a Squarespace site. During that time, I was posting photos of my floral work that I was making at flower school. I was posting it all over my social media platforms and the word was getting out that Sarah is doing flowers. So if you are starting something, if this is the season that you're in, this is one of the simplest but most effective ways to get your first few clients. And that is sharing it with the people you know so that they can share it with the people they know. My first few wedding clients were my friends. Now, this snowballed into friends of friends, and before I knew it, my calendar was completely filled with strangers, people who I didn't even know, and they were just finding me on Google and social media, and this is kind of how business works. It starts off with doing some work for friends, and it expands to that next circle, and before you know it, you will be working with 
all of these amazing clients who you wouldn't have known if it weren't for your business. Now, I loved doing these weddings, even though there wasn't a lot, if any, money in it, because it helped me to create this awareness and it helped me to really kickstart my portfolio. So I officially started my business in August of 2017. I launched straight away with my website, which had professional images from those friends' weddings. And I had quite a few friends and family reaching out saying, wow, your website is so professional and you look so legitimate, (laughs) which I think is something I did pretty well. As I said, I was striving for excellence and from the outside, it looked like I had a legitimate business. Now, I wish I could say that the rest of my journey was just as excellent and just as perfect, but of course it wasn't. I launched, it felt like a really good kind of first month, and then it felt really slow. From the outside, everything looked amazing, but in reality, the first year was really hard. And this in itself is such a good reminder that things aren't always what they seem. I heard so many people saying, wow, Sarah, you seem to be doing so well. You're posting all of the time. You must be raking it in. And that was not the case. My first year, I did not make a lot of money. I worked with a lot of clients, which must have been why people thought I was doing really well. I mean, I wasn't struggling to get clients, but I wasn't attracting the right clients and I certainly wasn't running an effective or profitable business. My first year in business, I made about $12,000 in profit, which in some ways isn't too bad, but considering that I wanted to be making what I would have earned as a teacher, I still had a fair way to go. I was feeling pretty deflated when I did my first tax return. It felt like this idea of making 50 or more thousand dollars a year seemed so distant, but I was determined to make it happen. And I knew that if I wanted to make a real living, a real income out of this business, I needed to make some changes. I began making some pretty serious shifts in my business. I was investing more time and more money into my own education. I started listening to countless podcasts, which I bet this is you too. And I learned that investing in education is just that it's an investment. So putting money towards coaching and resources and courses, it didn't feel like as much of a loss. I learned that it was going to get me to where I wanted to go, but quicker. I made some marketing shifts and I started to attract a higher paying client. I adjusted my pricing method to ensure that I was charging properly and I wasn't overspending and my business was quickly becoming a more well-known supplier in my area. In September 2019, Dave got a new role back in Brisbane, so he ended up moving back closer to the city. So of course, it was time for me to also resign from my job at the church. Now, honestly, at the time, we both assumed that I would need to replace my job. Although my business was bringing in a lot more than our, I guess, original budget of what I needed to earn. Since then, we'd also bought a house and we had a mortgage to think about. Our living expenses had increased. So I guess we had kind of adjusted to myself earning what I was earning from the church and also what my business was earning. And the thought of losing that, I guess we felt like I had to replace it. And it's probably just wise if I go and get a job working a couple of days a week so I can keep earning X amount in total. But then we ran the numbers. We looked at my projected income based on all of the weddings that I had in the calendar. And we found that I was projected to earn a lot more than we had realized. So we decided that that would be the perfect time for me to go full time with my business. It felt terrifying, but 
Of course, it was so exciting. As soon as I took the leap, I was meeting my income goals. Now, I wouldn't recommend that you just quit your job right now and you'll immediately earn what you need to earn because in reality, all of the income I'd actually already secured through weddings I'd booked before I even went full time. So even if we hadn't have moved and even if I hadn't have quit my job, I probably would have needed to resign around that time anyway because I was inundated with wedding work. I have learned a lot over my time in business. I've done bridal expos that completely failed. I've invested in styled photo shoots that definitely didn't pay off. I've learned the consequences of not charging enough and spending too much money. I've worked with clients who definitely weren't the right fit. I've learned the importance of knowing your numbers and running a business like a business and not like a hobby. I mentioned earlier in the episode that I immersed myself in the world of entrepreneurship and I fell in love with business. Generally speaking, even though the growth season felt really slow at the time, to a lot of people, the growth looked pretty rapid on the outside. I had lots of people reaching out over DMs and asking for advice and I was of course happy to give tips. Now this has evolved into what I'm doing now, which is business coaching. I've loved coaching florists and stationery designers, photographers, artists, and even creative service providers as well. I'm really passionate about seeing creative women combining their creative heart with a business mind and helping them step into their CEO role and actually run a profitable and sustainable business that's going to last the long term. I love business because it's given me so much fulfillment and joy and freedom and purpose and I'm thankful that my business can be whatever I want it to be. I love that I can work in my pajamas if I want to, although I can't do that during wedding setups. I love that I can give myself an onus bonus if I want to. I love that I can wake up and decide what my day is going to look like and not have it decided for me. I love that I can meet people at a cafe on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday afternoon and I'm not going to be stuck in the classroom. And I guess I want to see women creating businesses that do this for them too. So that brings us to now. I am running both my floral business and my coaching business. My team is growing and I hope to be able to release more responsibility to my team as each business continues to grow and evolve because I know that I can't do everything on my own. And the same is for you in case you needed to be reminded. (laughs) I look back on those memories as a child. I look back on 2016 when I decided to change career directions. I look back on the excited nerves that I felt when I launched my business. I look back on those moments when I wondered if it was really possible to make a full-time living doing what I love. And I'm glad that I persevered through it all. It hasn't been perfect, but pursuing that dream and vision has totally been worth it, which is why I've called this podcast The Imperfect Pursuit. We're all in the pursuit of something, whether that's a successful business or a joyful life or a sense of fulfillment and purpose or all of the above. I'm pursuing those things and I'm doing it imperfectly and I would love to walk with you on your imperfect pursuit while I am on mine too. Now to wrap up, I wanted to give you five things I would love for you to do in order to take imperfect action today. Number one is ask yourself, what do you want? And actually tell someone. This was pivotal in my journey, as I shared earlier, and I would love for you to do the same. Number two is write down your vision. You could do what I did and purchase a little vision journal, which I would actually recommend because it's really fun to look back on those notes that you wrote down. Write down your vision. 
This will help you to remember your big picture vision and dream for your life and business. And trust me, it'll be so amazing when you can look back on those pages in years to come and reflect on your own journey. Number three, I want you to consider what is holding you back. For me, it was fear of what people would think. Acknowledging this is the first step to moving through that fear. So I'm asking you, what is holding you back? Is it fear of failure or what people will think or maybe feeling like you don't have the skills or you're not equipped to do something? Now, you could write all of this down in that pretty little journal of yours. So in one column, you could write down whatever fears or doubts or reasons that you've come up with as to why you are not taking action. So if one of your reasons is, I care what this person thinks, then my response to that would be, I'm not going to give that person's opinion any more power than it deserves. Or maybe you have doubts that you're even ready to do whatever it is. Well, your response to that in the other column might be simply listing out all of the reasons that you actually are ready. Sometimes we just need to take a step back and we just need to think a little bit logically. Our subconscious can get into a really unhealthy habit of thinking the worst about everything, but sometimes all we need to do is think a little bit more logically and think about all of the reasons that that specific fear or feeling or thought may not actually be true. By doing this, you are acknowledging any fears or doubts that are holding you back from taking action, whether that's taking action on a really big and exciting launch that might terrify you, or maybe it's just a small task that you know will help to move the needle forward, but for whatever reason, you are putting it off. Number four, set goals. Sometimes I think we are so afraid to set goals in fear of not meeting them, but I've learned that unmet goals are better than no goals. So remember, you're allowed to change your goals. You have the freedom to do that. So set some goals today, work out some goals for the next few months, the next year, maybe even a bigger picture goal, like 10 or 20 years. Number five is take one step forward. What is that step for you? Is it simply creating those social media accounts? Is it telling the world that you have a new product or a new service? Is it getting a launch date out there so that you actually have some form of accountability and you can get it done? Is it sending that email? Is it investing in that program? Is it reaching out to that person? Whatever that step is, remember that all of these small steps lead to big changes. Once you've taken that one small step, you can then take another and then another. Well, everyone, that is it from me. I feel like this episode is pretty long, but I also felt like I needed to share the background of how I imperfectly got started in my business. Of course, there is so much more that I would love to share with you, which is why this podcast is here. So if you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to hit subscribe on the podcast so that you don't miss future episodes. We have so many amazing episodes planned with guest speakers and solo episodes to help you take imperfect action then I'm so excited that you are tuning in today and joining me on this journey. So friends, keep on imperfectly pursuing your purpose and I will talk to you in the next episode. Hey, did you love today's episode? Be sure to subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. And I would be so grateful if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This lets me know what kind of content you are loving so that I can keep creating valuable content for you in the future. It also helps this podcast to find its way to the ears of other creatives just like you. 
You can check out the show notes for links to everything that was mentioned in this episode or head to my website, sarahluthie.com for more information on my coaching services as well as some cheeky freebies. Thank you so much for being here, friend. I am so grateful for you and I'm cheering you on as you imperfectly pursue your purpose.